Hey guys, welcome to my podcast. I pray you are empowered to walk in the fullness of your God design. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. And remember, enforcing purpose, it starts with you. Um, I'm excited to talk to you a little bit today about having a victorious mindset. Um, I was reminded, I think the last time I preached in here is now the book that I just released in the fall, uh, The Pursuit of His Glory, Seeking the Character of God. If you've not got a copy of that, um, that message was actually birthed out of you asking me to preach on the glory. And so just spending a week in Alaska, just kind of studying and uh, really asking the Lord to reveal truths to me, and now you can all, you can capture it all in a book. So who knows? You never know when God is writing another book. So uh, I'm going to open us up in prayer, and then we're going to be talking about having a victorious mindset in 2023. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus, and we just thank you, Lord, for the gift of victory. We thank you, Lord, that your kingdom is not like the world, where we have to strive and we have to work, where we have to sweat, God, to walk in the wind. But we thank you, Father, that there's a win we've been given, that it's the gift of God. And so, Father, today we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would just begin to shift our minds into the win, the win that was the gift of God, that was given to us on the cross. And it's in the name of Jesus that I pray. Amen. So we all love the idea of winning, and while some of us are a little more driven towards victory than others, <clears throat> Brad, um, the reality is, if we're honest, we don't like to lose, right? If you go and you play a game over and over again, typically you picked a sport if you picked a sport or you picked an activity when you were in high school, you were in, a co in college that you felt like you were a winner at. If you were on the basketball team and you never got on the floor, or every time you got on the floor and you took a shot, you never made the shot, chances are you didn't make it through your senior year. You probably ended up quitting that game because you didn't like to lose. That's a natural thing is that we all want to win, and I'm here to tell you that God wants you to win and that you are designed to win. So when I think of 2023, and I think of all the aspirations that I have, and I make the list of all the goals that I have, nowhere in that list is the idea of losing. In fact, some of us fear making the list, because then we will expose the places where we fell short. But the reality is when we think about 2023, when we come into a new year, we think about all the ways we want to win. We think about all the things we want to accomplish. We think of all the things we want to achieve, the things that we want to aspire. But nowhere in there is the idea of losing. The whole purpose of doing that is so that we can move forward into a greater lifestyle, into greater success, into prosperity into growth. That is the whole idea of winning. So to have a victorious mindset, come on guys, this isn't a genius statement right now, but it kind of is, means your mind is set on victory. My love that pastor talked about earlier, how wherever your mind is set, your emotions will follow. A mind set is exactly what it says it is. Your mind is set on something at all times. But God says he's given us the ability to have a mind set on victory. That we would live in a victorious mindset. Meaning I am fixated, I am obsessed with, I am possessed by the idea of winning. Come on, this is a hard concept for us to embrace. You want to know why? Because we measure our wins by what we see around us. And today we're going to be talking about what does it mean to live in victory even when our life feels like it's failing. So a victor victorious mindset means your mind is set on victory. In other words, you're fixated on the idea that you are a winner. Come on, somebody just needs to put your hand on your heart right now, and I want you to say, I am a winner. I am a winner. There we go. Let me tell you some synonyms for the name of winning, for the word winning. Triumphant, 
successful, champion. I am unbeaten. I am undefeated. I am unconquerable. This is who you are in Christ. Okay, so now I got a problem. You want to know what my problem is? I don't always feel that way. I don't always see that in my life. And so now I got conflict going on in my soul and my spirit. Because I'm hearing a truth that my spirit says, the truth is I am unconquerable. I am unbeaten. I am undefeatable. I am triumphant. I am a winner. I am a conqueror. But my soul is tired. And my finances are waning. And my relationships are broken. But to have a victorious mindset means my mind is set on truth. And truth says, I am victorious. It means my mind is set on things above and not on earthly things. It means my mind is set from a perspective that I am seated with Christ in the heavenlies and I don't see things like this, but I see things like this. My mind is set on victory. In 1 Corinthians 15, 54 through 58, this is going to be our key passage for the day. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, so you and I are a corruptible being, but when we get, when we get saved, we put on incorruption, meaning what once was perishable becomes imperishable. And this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Death is swallowed up in victory. Now the enemy doesn't want you to live in life. He doesn't want you to experience victory in your experiences. He does not want you to have a mind set on winning. He wants you to be thinking about all the places in your life that are dead. He wants you to be thinking about all the places in your life that are not growing, that are not successful, that are not prospering. But God says that he has swallowed up this mindset of death with the mindset of victory. Come on, you're going to hear me saying the same things over and over again because we've got to hear it. Oh, death, where is your sting? Come on, somebody needs to look at themselves in the mirror and say, death, you have no sting in my life. Depression, you have no sting in my life. Anger, you have no sting in my life. Poverty, where is your sting in my life? Because God says that your sting has been swallowed up by victory. Oh, Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. Listen to me, it says this. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, who gives us the victory. Notice this is spoken in a present tense. It doesn't say he gave us. It means it's an ongoing promise. It means today in this moment, I can say, but God gives me the victory. It means when I'm struggling with a thought, I can say, but God gives me the victory. When I'm struggling with temptation, I can say, but God gives me the victory. It wasn't something that happened in my yesterday for my yesterday. It's not something that happened in my tomorrow for my tomorrow. You understand God isn't the God of yesterday and tomorrow because he just is. He's in the present. He is the present. He is a now. And when he says he gives you the victory, it means right now. Right now in this moment. In fact, I'm just going to stop for a moment. And I want you to capture that. And I want you to think about what the now is right now in your life that, God, that the enemy is saying is dying, isn't good enough, isn't big enough, isn't prospering, isn't growing, isn't multiplying, isn't fruitful. Come on. And I want you to speak into that thing and I, and I want you to say, but God gives the victory. If I were to name this something else, I would have said, well, I would have called it the gift of victory because it's a gift of victory. Everybody say, I have victory. All right, it goes on and it says this. Therefore, my brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. The message says it like this. Verse 56, or 57, I'm sorry. In a single victorious stroke of life, all three, sin, 
guilt, death are gone. The gift of our master, Jesus Christ, is all that remains. When Jesus got up from the grave, he beat death. He overcame death. And a victorious mindset starts in the knowledge that you have been given victory. Come on, I can't go into the rest of the message until we understand it's a gift. It is a gift you have been given. The gift of victory. Everybody say, I have the gift of victory. The truth is we will never be good enough on our own to be in the presence of a holy God. Either now or in eternity, we cannot fix the problem. You said it earlier, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But the Bible says, by grace you have been saved. And by grace you are victorious. By grace you walk in the wind. It is a gift of God. So I want us to go on and I want us to talk about, I want us to talk about the therefore. Because I want us to talk about the therefore. If you know, if you have a gift of victory, here's the therefore. Here's the things that should be the fruit of your life. Therefore, the causation of knowing this truth, since I am confident that I have the gift of victory, since I am confident that I have the gift of victory, I am confident that I have the gift of victory. Therefore, number one, I am steadfast. Now I'm going to read these to you in different versions just because sometimes they resonate differently. Therefore, my beloved, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. Amplified, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the work of the Lord, always doing your best, doing more that is needed, being continually aware that your labor, even to the point of exhaustion, is in, the, in the Lord is not futile, nor is it wasted. It is never without purpose. In the message, with all of this going for us, what do we have going with it for us? The gift of victory, that he gives us the victory. I have this going for me. With all of this going for us, my dear, dear friends, stand your ground. And don't hold back. Throw yourselves into the work of the master, confident that nothing you do is a waste of time. Come on, somebody needs to hear this in this room. Because the enemy wants you to feel like your efforts are a waste of time. You know, we, in our world, in the business world, we talk a lot about your ROI. What's the return on your investment? And you talked a little bit about it, Pastor, earlier. Like we can put, if I put in two hours of work, am I getting two hours of return? But when you're in ministry, that's not the case. And you're working in the kingdom, a lot of times you're putting in a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of effort, and a lot of money for what feels like very little return. And the enemy wants you to feel like everything you're doing is a waste of time. But the Bible tells us that when you understand that you've been given a victory, the gift of victory, that your mind is set, your mind is confident in that nothing you're doing for the Lord is a waste of time. In the Passion, it says this, stand firm, stable, and enduring. Live your lives with an unshakable confidence. Live your lives with a... Why can I live my life with an unshakable confidence? Because I know that I've been given the gift of victory. What, when my confidence wanes, you want to know what my issue is? I'm not confident that God has given me the victory. Period. I'm confident that God has given me the victory, therefore I have an unshakable confidence. We know that we can prosper and excel in every season by serving the Lord because we are assured that our union with the Lord makes our labor productive with fruit that endures. Are we sure of that all the time? I'm not. You want to know why I'm not? Because I'm not always having a mind set on the gift of victory. When my mind is not set on victory, I am not sure that all of the works of my labor are fruitful and productive. I feel like it's a waste of time. I feel like quitting. I get exhausted. I get discouraged. I get disappointed. I get frustrated. Come on. I feel rejected by my dream. Anybody ever felt rejected by your dream? 
Y'all have never said that before. But if a dream could speak, sometimes I feel like it's rejecting me personally. And the Bible is saying that a mindset on victory is not of none of those things. Look, every choice you make, if you've got to choose every day, you've got to choose to say, in this, he gives me the victory. And your choice either denies the power of sin in your life or it defies the victory of Christ. In your choice to choose victory, you deny the power of sin. And you come into an agreement with victory. If you choose to agree, yes, I am a loser. Yes, I agree, I am disappointed. I don't see God work. God isn't working in my life. I don't hear God's voice. Come on, all of these things are defying the power of Christ. But in order, to den- in order to come into the power of victory, you've got to deny the power of sin. You follow that? All right. So let's talk about this idea. So we're going to be talking about three causations of a mindset of victory. Meaning, I can't help it. I just have a mindset on victory, and I can't help it. I'm steadfast. I am immovable. I am tenacious. Some people would say I am stubborn like a mule. But I say I am steadfast in the kingdom. You want to know why? It just happens because my mind is set on victory. Steadfast comes from the Greek word and denotes the idea of sitting and being sedentary. That sounds great. Sitting and being sedentary. To be immovable means not to be moved from a place, but metaphorically it means this, to be firmly persistent. It is the idea of being fixated on something that you are unwilling to be moved from. Some of us have two and three-year-olds that are more stubborn than we are. And I think in a lot of ways, even as we were raised up, we were learned to bend a little bit, to be a little more tolerant, to be a little more flexible, to be even a little more kind and compassionate. Sometimes we even put churchy terms to it. And somewhere along the way, we've lost the beauty of a stubbornness for Christ. Being stubborn for the victory in our lives. Saying, I will not quit. I will not back down. I will not say no. I will not turn away. But I'm going to be stubborn. I'm going to be like a mule that is fixed. And I will not be moved. The idea of being fixated on something. Listen, I'm going to read the definition of stubborn to you. The definition of stubborn is having or showing dogged determination, I love that, dogged determination not to change your attitude or your position on something. Some of us need to have a dogged determination starting out in 2023 that I will not change my attitude, I will not change my position, I will not change my mind, I will not change my course, I will not change my direction because God said on January 1st that he was going to do this. And the same God on January 1st is the same God on February 1st and March 1st and April 1st and June 1st and July 1st and all the 1st of every month. He is the same God and I have a dogged determination and I will not change my position. And it goes on and it says, especially in spite of good arguments or reasons to change. Okay, so I'm going to read it all. Being stubborn is having or showing dogged determination not to change one's attitude or position on something, especially in spite of of good arguments or reasons to do so. I would like to propose to you that the world has put up a good argument to do so. Social media puts up a good argument to do so. Your experiences put up a good argument to do so, to be swayed from your dog determination. Come on, some of you have emotions that put up a good argument to sway from your dog determination. Some of us reason our way right out of the dog determination of Christ. Because it doesn't make sense. I don't see evidence of it. It doesn't line up with scripture. We will even use scripture sometimes to twist. The enemy will use it to twist us and pull us away from the dog determination from how we know God said it. And there are lots of really good arguments out there that are trying to pull us away from our victory. 
making good decision, good arguments as to why you are not vi victorious, why you are falling short, how you are not good enough, that you are fa failing. Many of us have walked away from our dreams because the argument against it was too convincing. The facts were too convincing. I bet Gideon thought that, how am I supposed to overtake this army with 350 soldiers? The argument against the promise of God was very convincing. And a lot of us walk away from the promise of God. We back up from our dreams because the arguments are too convincing. But stubbornness for Christ, a steadfastness, an immovability says, I don't care what your argument is. You know what? It sounds good and it seems to make sense to me, but God said. Come on, Abram could have stopped climbing the mountain because it didn't make sense. The one son, God, you said that there would be a generation that comes forth from my seed. And now it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that you're telling me to sacrifice that seed. But he was stubborn for the presence of God. He was stubborn for the victory that he knew in, he had in God. So the argument against our blessing, the gift of victory, will speak loudly in your ear. Isn't this what happened with the Israelites? Listen to me. God gave them victory. All they had to do was walk and follow him. They didn't have to do anything. They didn't have to battle. They didn't have to fight. And he said, I have a promise in mind for you that brings wells you have not dug. It brings fruit you have not planted. It brings trees you have not groomed. I have it all in mind for you. All you have to do is believe it and step into it. But how many of you know there was an argument against the victory? And they lost their stubbornness. They lost their tenacity for Christ. Of course, we know the story. They ended up not entering into the promised land. They lacked a stubbornness for their freedom. Come on, some of us need to be stubborn for our freedom. You don't get to talk to me like that, Satan. You don't get to bind my hands like that, Satan. You don't get to steal my sleep from me, Satan. You don't get to steal my health from me, Satan. You don't get to steal my church from me, Satan. You don't get to steal my dream from me, Satan. Some of us need to get stubborn. We got to get stubborn for our freedom. Because at the end of the day, the Israelites did not see their identity as a winner. What they saw was that we are small grasshoppers. We are too small. The argument against the win is too big. And the enemy has not changed his tactics. He's too dumb. He can't change. But here's the deal. He doesn't have to because we fall for the same tricks. It is our fixation on the victory that gives us, that God gave us, that should cause us to be stubborn and immovable. I love in the passage in Luke 9, 51, 53, it says this, now it came to pass, it's talking about Jesus. Now it came to pass uh, when the time had come for him, meaning Jesus, to be received up. This is not a fun activity that is coming to him. Okay? To be received up. That he steadfastly set his face to Jerusalem. Now listen to me. He knows the time has come for him to lay his life down for the world. And he is so fixated on the victory on the other side of the crucifixion that his mind is set steadfastly on the heart of Jerusalem to the point that he sends messengers into Samaria that they might receive him. And they said, no, we will not receive him because we can tell he wants nothing to do with us. We can see that his mind is set on the work of God right now. And they were not interested in the presence of Jesus. They were only interested in the work of Jesus. Come on. 
That's a word for a whole nother day. They were not interested in serving Jesus and having Jesus because they knew Jesus isn't here for us. He's here for the cross. He is set on the cross. He is steadfast on the cross. In the message, it says it like this. When it came close to the time for the ascension, he gathered up his courage. Come on, he got courage from the victory. The knowledge of the victory gave him courage. And it says he steeled himself. He steeled himself for the journey. How many of you know that Jesus was stubborn? He was stubborn. He would not be swayed to the point where cities that he was going through wanted nothing to do with him because it was so obvious that he was fixated on his call. He was fixated. He knew that the victory is on the other side of that cross and I am fixated on the victory. Don't distract me. Don't deter me. Don't disturb me because I'm fixated on the victory. He was steadfast and immovable. In Ezekiel it says, I will make your forehead like a diamond and your face like a flint. He goes on and he says, look, all of these people are going to reject you. I've given you a message. You're going to go into these people and you're going to tell them my message and they're going to all reject you. There will seem to be no fruit. There will seem to be nothing that comes forth from your labor. But I have caused you, come on, read it. In Ezekiel chapter 3, God says, I have caused your forehead to be like a diamond, meaning it's Stubborn and hard. And I have made your face to be like flint. I believe it goes on and it says, and I have caused you to be like an iron pillar before the people. You will not be disturbed, you will not be distracted, and you will not be swayed from what I have asked you to do. Where's the victory in that? Because did they listen? No. Did they reject him? Yes. But see... The victory wasn't in the response of the people. The victory was in Christ. The victory was in his obedience. The victory was in his walk with God. The reward of the Lord is in when you're doing what God has asked you to do, despite the response of the people around you. And therefore, his face was like flint and his forehead was like like a diamond. All right, number two, causation. So we have number one. When I know... That God gives me the victory. When my mind is set on victory, it causes me to be steadfast. It causes me to be stubborn. It causes me to be immovable. It's easy. You can't move me if you try. Sometimes I try and move myself, but I'm so fixed on the victory, I cannot be moved. Number two, I'm fully committed. I'm fully committed. Now, this could be a uh, message in and of itself, but our response to knowing the gift of victory is I am fully committed. Now I want you to think about John chapter 21 for me because I love this picture and it's Peter and the disciples and they're out fishing and it's after Jesus has been crucified and they've returned to their old ways and they're out in a boat and once again they're not having good luck. They are not being successful in what they are doing and Jesus shows up on the shore and he says, hey, you having any luck out there? Like, no, He says, how about you try and drop your net on the other side? So they drop their net down on the other side, and all of a sudden, all this fruitfulness and productivity comes from the presence of Jesus, by the way. And because that's a whole other message for a whole other day as well. But they stand up, and they look out, and, and they see, oh my goodness, it's Jesus standing on the shore. Now, I don't know who you relate to the most in the boat. But I would like to say that we all relate the most to Peter on the boat who says, look, it's going to take a long time for us to drag and haul even the provision of God to get to the presence of God. Come on, that's a message right there because sometimes we put the provision, the promise, the gift of God before the presence of God. And Peter says, nothing is going to stand between me and the presence of God. So I'm going to wrap myself up with my garment and The Bible says he dove into the water and he swam because he knew it was going to take too long to drag drag the provision with him. Now listen, this is a picture of being fully committed because some of us are fully committed to our ministry. 
And the Bible doesn't say you're to be fully committed to your ministry. Some of you are fully committed to your job. And while I honor that, sometimes the full commitment to your job keeps you from diving into the water and getting to the presence of Jesus. See, some of us are like, but, but God has provided all this stuff, and now all it's doing is it's dragging me back, it's weighing me down from getting into the presence of God. And we've got to recognize that when I know I have the victory in Christ, a causation in my life is I'm fully committed to his presence. I am fully committed to you, God. I am fully committed to you. How many of you know some of us show up to church week after week, but we're not fully committed? Some of us read the Bible every day, but we're not fully committed. We're showing up in our body, but we're not showing up in our spirit. So listen to me. I want to talk about the opposite. I'm going to talk about the opposite of being fully committed because the enemy would tell you that the opposite is you quit. But in 2020, they came up with this new phrase. It's called the quiet quit. Anybody heard of it? Brittany, I think you said you have. New York Magazine, the New Yorker talked about how the quiet quit. I'm going to read the demonstration to you, or the definition to you. It says this. Quiet quitting refers to doing, doing the minimum requirements of one's job, putting in no more time, effort, or enthusiasm and that is absolutely necessary. As such, it is something of a misnomer since the worker doesn't actually leave their position and continues to collect a salary. So this is a real pandemic that they're saying is hit our workforce. Since 2020, because of people being able to work from home, because they've lost the passion for their work, they have discovered that I can do the minimal amount of work. I can show up, I can log in and not even pay attention to my computer, and it looks like I'm all in, but I'm not. It's called the quiet quit. It is possible, it is possible that there are some people in this room who have quietly quit on God. And you're still logging in every morning. You're still opening up your Bible every morning. But in your heart, you're experiencing quiet quit. And you wouldn't come out and actually say that because that would be too embarrassing. You wouldn't want people around you to actually know that you've kind of waned in your passion. That you've kind of lost your heart. That you're not doing anything more than what is just necessary to get by, but you're living in the quiet quit. Is it possible that you have forgotten the victory that you have in Christ and you have allowed the losses of the world to discourage you, disappoint you, and the result is you have quietly quit? Come on, this is a good word. Because this is how the enemy works in our life. Perhaps you haven't told God no, you haven't quit going to church, but in your heart, you've lost your passion. Your fire has gone out, and you're sitting in a quiet quit. But the Bible says that the antidote to that is, there needs to be a remembrance in my life that God gives me the victory, that he gives me the victory. Thanks be to God who has given me the victory. See, I forgot that I live in a victory. I forgot that I live in a win. I got discouraged and I quietly quit. I got disappointed when it didn't happen the way I thought it was going to happen and I quietly quit. See, I forgot that even when things don't happen the way I think they're going to happen around me, that God gives the victory. That the victory that I live in isn't about what I'm living around. It's about what I'm living in, come on, and what's living in me. That's the victory. And we have to remember that God gives us the victory. It's the grace of God. I'm reminded in 2 Kings chapter 13 when King Joash, the Bible says that King Joash is a wicked uh, king. He, he did not do the ways of God. He didn't live in the ways of God. But when he, saw, when he saw that the enemy was coming to attack him, he went to the prophet and he said, what should I do? What should we do? Look, he was looking for guidance from the prophet. 
in chapter 13. And it says this, when Elijah was in his last illness, King Joash or Jehoash uh, of Israel visited him and wept over him. He said, my father, my father, I see the chariots and charioteer, charioteers of Israel, he cried. Basically what he is saying is, show me how to win. The enemy is big and I'm about to lose. And I know I've been evil and I know I've never sought your counsel, but now it's so big and I need to know, give me the strategy to win. And it said, the Bible goes on and it says this, Elisha told him, get a bow and some arrows. Now, this is a whole nother message for a whole nother day, but I'm going to say it to you too because I feel like you're going to get it. The Bible told him to grab something that he already had in his hand. See, a lot of times we're looking for something that somebody else has or we're looking for a new provision for the win. But there was nothing that strategic. But he was like, you already got the win in your hand, bro. Grab your arrows, grab your bow. I've already put the win in your hand. And he says this, and the king did as he was told. Perfect. He's doing everything perfectly. Elisha told him, put your hand on the bow. Elisha laid his hands on the king's hands. And then he commanded him to open the eastern window, and he opened it. And then he said, shoot. And so he shot the arrow, and Elisha proclaimed, listen, this is the Lord's arrow, an arrow of victory. You just shot the Lord's arrow of victory exactly the way I told you to shoot it, and it shall be done. The Lord's arrow of victory is the Lord's arrow of victory that will deliver you from your Aram. It is the Lord's arrow of victory that will deliver you from your depression. It's your Lord, the Lord's arrow of victory that will deliver you from your addiction, your frustration, whatever it is. What is you? Some, some versions say Syria, some say Aram. Doesn't matter. The point is, is whatever the enemy is coming after you, God says, I've already put the victory in your hand, and if you will listen to me, I will show you how to shoot my arrow of victory. Some of us just need to look at it and go, victory, just victory. Just look at it and just speak, victory. Just shoot the word victory at that thing. It can be that simple. Goes on, he says, for you will completely conquer the Arameans at Aphek. Come on, somebody say, I will. Because he did. Say it, because he did. Then he said this, now pick up the other arrows and strike them against the ground. So the king picked them up and struck the ground three times. Now watch the quiet quit. Watch the quiet quit. Here he is doing everything that God told him to do, and he's winning. The Lord's arrow is his victory. He hits the heart the very center that was the capital of that country that that arrow landed in. He hit the bullseye, y'all, just by shooting the Lord's arrow. And the, and the prophet, in some regards, says, nice job. Now pick up the arrow and just begin to strike the ground. But the man of God was angry with him. And it says he struck the ground three times, but the man of God was angry with him, and he said, you should have struck the ground five or six times, he exclaimed. Then you would have beaten Aram, and it would have been in entirely destroyed. But now you will only be victorious three times. Listen, the king started out by doing everything right, everything he was instructed to do, but he quietly quit when he stopped striking the ground. Look, when God asks you to do something, you don't stop. See, I mean, scripture doesn't say, but we can assume that when he said strike the ground, he meant strike the ground. And at some point, you're like, can I stop now? It's not working. God, how long do I have to do this? How, how much? How? And God's like, until I tell you to stop. Yeah. See, a lot of us are like, well, I tried it, and it didn't work. I went to counseling twice, and it didn't work. <laughs> I tried it. I did my assignment two out of the seven days. It's just not working. It didn't work. But when God says do something, you better do it until he says stop doing it. You want to know why? Because when God said let there be light, light still remains. Until God says let there not be light, guess what's going to happen tomorrow morning when we wake up? There will be light. Because we serve a God who is faithful. He is fully committed to his word. And when he says he's going to do something, he does it and he keeps doing it and he never stops doing it until he says I'm going, I'm going to stop doing it now. 
But we don't have that same man mentality. You want to know why? Because we're going to try it and see if we win. And if it doesn't work, then it's too painful and too hard and too disappointing. And so we back out and we're glad I tried that. I already tried it. If I had a quarter for every time somebody said that to me in the counseling room, oh, yeah, I tried it. Now, why'd you stop? If God said do it, do it. Keep doing it. Well, how long am I going to have to do this? Until God says to stop doing it. How long am I going to have to strike the ground? Until God says stop striking the ground. And that's what it means to be fully committed. I'm going to move on. The final one is this. When I know God gives me the victory, a causation in my life is that I know, 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 I'm convincing myself right now, that I know that none of my labor is in vain. That none of my labor is in vain. Meaning a victorious mindset understands kingdom fruit. It knows its value. It knows its purpose. It knows that there is nothing wasted in the kingdom. How many of you know there's no such thing as failure in the kingdom? Right? Because if all things work together for good, then what's a failure? God's like, what? What's that word? I don't know that word. I don't know. It's a man-made word. Because the Bible says that even the things that the enemy is doing in your life, God is using it for good. See, when you're surrendered to the Lord and you're surrendered to his purpose and you know that your mind is set on victory, you have a knowing in your knower that it doesn't matter how bad I mess it up, God's going to fix it. He's going to produce from it. He's going to cause it to be fruitful. He's going to cause it to be productive. He's going to cause it to grow. Come on, I'm reminded of the man who says he went out and he spread seed. He just, whoo, wherever he wanted. And whether he was sleeping or whether he was awake, that seed brought forth fruit. Though he did not know how it did it. Why? Because he had a mindset on spreading the seed of God, I guess. And God was like, I see you, and that was a crappy place to throw it. But you know what? I see your heart, and I see your efforts, and I see that your mind is set on my presence. So I will bring a causation in your life, and that causation is there will be fruit. There will be productivity. Whether you're on the right side of the river or on your left side of the river, the Bible says in Ezekiel that because you know that the river flows from the sanctuary of God, that whether you're in the fall season, whether you're in the winter season, that there will always be fruit in my life. Come on, that's what that passage is talking about. I have a knowing in my knower that the river flows from the sanctuary of God, that there's a victory that flows from the person of Jesus Christ, that the blood of Jesus, the victory of the cross, the, the overcoming of death flows into my life, and therefore it doesn't matter what kind of season I am in, I am bearing fruit. That's what it's talking about. And a victorious mindset reflects that. A victorious mindset speaks that. A victorious mindset brings that into a room. Come on, we've been around those people that are like, womp, womp. And the ha that glass is always half empty. Well, have you considered this? No, actually, I haven't considered. Well, have you considered what you're going to do if it doesn't work? No, actually, I haven't, Satan. Thank you very much. And I'm not going to consider if it doesn't work. Because God says, I gives me uh, what I've considered is how God's going to cause it to be victorious, even if it doesn't work. That's what I've considered. Because the Bible says that he gives me the victory. So I can make all kinds of twists and turns. Amy, I'm going to repeat this because I think it's so good. When the blind man takes off for the pool of Siloam, it's possible that the pool was over here and he starts walking in this direction because he's blind and he doesn't know where he, and God's like, man, I see your heart and I see that you're set on the victory. I see that you're set on your healing. And God goes, I can just move this pool and I will cause you to run into it. I will cause you to hit it because I'm a God who doesn't call you to work for the victory. I give you the victory. All right, so let's review it. A victorious mindset. When our mind is set on victory, we are steadfast and immovable. We are fully committed, meaning I'm not going to quietly quit. And we are confident. We are confident that every action in my life is bearing fruit. Come on. I want you guys to quietly think with me for a moment. The Bible says this, but thanks be to God, who in Christ always, 
always, somebody say always, leads us in a triumphal procession. Always leads us in a triumphal procession. It says then, and through us spreads every place the fragrance that comes from that victory. Come on, some of our life isn't putting out the fragrance of victory. Some of you need to notify your face that you're a winner. Because you're showing, oh, mostly okay. How are you doing? All right. And like right away, like we know those people. How are you doing? Oh, okay. And you, you need to like, we need to notify our language. We need to notify our face. We need to notify our attitude. We need to notify our heart. We need to notify our mind that I have victory. I've been given the victory. If you would stand with me for a moment. I don't want to dismiss what the Bible says when it says we are hard-pressed on every side, but we are not crushed. Why? Because we have victory. Doesn't mean I'm not going to feel like it. Look, victory doesn't mean I never feel the pressing of the enemy. The Bible says that he prepareth a table before me in the presence of the enemy. So victory doesn't mean I never feel struck down, but I'm not destroyed. Come on, that's what he's talking about in a second. Why? Because he gives me the victory. He gives me the victory. I want you to specifically think about 2023. Forget 2022. Look, I'm a life coach. I'm all about the whole, let's look and see what we can learn from the thing, blah, blah, blah. We're not doing that today. Because God is now. Right? And so I want you to think about 2023. And I want you to let yourself think about the big. The thing that God has showed to you, the thing that God has invited you to believe him for. The victory. Now, if you would just close your eyes for me for a moment. And I am going to open the altar, but right now we're just going to let the Lord minister to you. The, this passage goes on, it says, Always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ so that the life in victory also may be manifested in our body. So I'm just going to ask, I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to just begin to manifest. I don't even know what this would look like, Pastor, to manifest victory in our mortal body. Because that's what that passage says, that we would manifest the victory of Christ in our mortal body. Right, that what was once mortal has now become immortal. What once was imperishable or perishable has now become imperishable. What once was corruptible, come on, your thoughts and your dreams were once corruptible. But in Christ, they are incorruptible. See, the enemy wants you to think that you are perishable. That your your dreams are an option in your life, that they're a variable. But God says the things that the enemy has told you are corruptible are incorruptible. The things that were once of mortal, of this world, have now become immortal of a different world. That we no longer live according to what we see, but we are those who live according to what we don't see. But I'm asking, because the Bible's so clear that there should be a seeing of the victory in our life. There should be a smelling, right? That's what a fragrance is. There should be a scent of victory that we put out. And so I'm asking the Holy Spirit to reveal to you, what is it in your language you need to change? Come on, are you one of those people that's like, well, I'm okay. Are you constantly speaking death over your life? Death to people around you? Telling people how depressed you are? I'm not saying that you shouldn't be honest. Get a counselor. But wherever our mind is set, so we shall be. And so, God, I thank you that even right now, that you're causing, you're causing victory to manifest in our bodies. We confess. Come on, what do you need to confess of? We confess that I've gotten discouraged, that I've allowed the world to measure my success. Come on, we've allowed social media to measure our success, our checkbook to measure our success. We've allowed our calendar to measure. Some of us have allowed our spouses to measure our success. 
But the Bible says that your success is given through the person of Jesus Christ, through the person of Jesus Christ. So I want us to kind of get a picture of that Ezekiel passage where it talked about the river that was flowing. And in that passage, it's, see, there's an invitation there to go ankle deep, to go knee deep, to go waist deep. And then he says, and he goes all the way into this place where he can no longer really touch the ground. Like he can't, he has to swim, right? And in that place, in the depths, when he was in the depths of the river that was flowing from the sanctuary, that's when he began to see the fruit on both sides of the banks, no matter the season. We love to talk about the Holy Spirit, but I want us to equate the Holy Spirit to victory because where the Spirit is, there's a win. If you're in the Spirit, you're winning. If you're in the Spirit, you're winning. Come on. Where the Spirit of God is, there is life and peace. Those who sow to the Spirit experience life and peace. And so, again, just prophetically, I'm just calling forth the river of victory right here. And those who are like, man, I'm committed. I'm committed. Come on. It would be ridiculous if I said there's a million dollars right here that I want to give to you. you know, everybody would come running forward and they would say, I'm going to go get me a dollar. But this is your river of victory right here. And I want you to step into it. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to sweat for it. You understand the prophets of Baal had to work hard. The Bible says they wearied themselves day and night, calling on a false god. But then all, all Elijah did was call on God, and the Bible says, and he stepped forward towards the altar where fire was about to fall down. You want to know why? Because he didn't want to miss the fire. That's ridiculous. See, in the natural, if I know fire's going to fall down, I'm going to back up. But in the spirit, but in the spirit, where the fire of God is, I'm stepping in. I'm stepping in. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Be sure to click subscribe so you can catch each episode every month. I want you to walk in your fullness. For more information about other services and resources, head to my website at www.lisa-schwartz.com. You can also find me on YouTube by searching Lisa Schwartz LLC. I look forward to connecting with you. Remember, enforcing purpose, it starts with you.